and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, with more than half a century of award-winning broadcasting experience. It's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks for Ready, Set, Retire. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected portfolio manager and senior vice president at Canaccord Genuity, who has been successfully managing retirement portfolios for over two decades. We're here to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies and health matters and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, while people may not see it, interest rates affect everything, whether it's how much you pay for a home, the interest you earn on your retirement savings, or the prices of goods you buy. Lately, we've been hearing about interest rates all the time on the news. The Bank of Canada increased its interest rate by 50 basis points on April 13th, bringing the central bank's policy rate to 1%, the largest individual rate hike since 2000. What does it all mean? Yeah, the reason that you're hearing so much about interest rates increasing is because of inflation. And we've seen inflation increase dramatically over the past year due to, of course, supply chain issues, due to COVID, due to reopening as well, labor shortages. So there's a lot of reasons why we're seeing increased inflation in Canada. It's around 6% right now. So while increasing rates can be better for those that are invested in GICs, at least they think. It may not be good for consumers or the economy as a whole. And again, we may not see the repercussions of some of these interest rate increases right away, but we will see them definitely over time as they plan to do a few more interest rate increases this year. So again, it's something that investors need to watch and we need to discuss it on Ready, Set, Retire and how it affects our listeners. Well, today on the program, we're going to be talking about the impact of interest rates, how it can affect the economy, how it affects you personally. We'll also discuss bad bond funds. Sounds like a movie title, bad bond funds. You know, I go one step further, bad bank bond funds is really what I want to talk about. And I printed a few out here so we can really get down down and detailed on some of those ones. All right. So this will be a blockbuster, bad bank bond funds and what you need to know and why now is an exceptionally important time to understand exactly what you're invested in. I think it's important for us to understand how we arrived at this rising rate environment. So what led to the decision by the Bank of Canada to begin increasing rates? Well, again, over the last two years, we've been in an extremely low interest rate environment, which is no surprise. Governments around the world, really central banks around the world, wanted to support the economy, support businesses throughout the lockdowns and restrictions. And they do that often during times of shock to the markets or to the economy or to the world, as well as during recessions. And so that's why we saw them reduce rates so aggressively right at the beginning of the pandemic. And of course, that made the cost of borrowing cheaper. And then, you know, you saw even the housing market here in Canada kind of stalled for the first few months of the pandemic, three, four months. It was difficult to even go in to see a house if you wanted to buy it. That then led to, again, more demand at home too. People can travel 
And so with the low rates and increased demand and people couldn't uh, you know, go anywhere, the housing market really started to move higher and higher and higher. So we saw inflation that way, just in home prices, just to give you one idea. Then, of course, we saw supply chain issues and labor shortages, which I mentioned. And when you think the price of goods has gone up, it's gone up dramatically in many different areas. John, you and I have talked about gas a lot, the price of oil, and that's due to Ukraine, Russia, a lot of it. But also as the economy was kind of reopening and things were getting back to normal. You also saw oil increase as well at that time. But going back to the price of goods, so a lot of companies pass on the increased costs to the consumer. And so this is what we've been seeing. And you think, in, you know, even in terms of inflation, it's not something that you necessarily feel. But I think in over the last years, one of the first times in Canada and, and around the world that people have really felt the dramatic increase, whether it be home prices, gas prices, Food prices is, is another big one. And again, inflation is something you think in terms of apples. You know, in 2021, maybe you could go to the grocery store and buy, you know, a couple apples for a dollar. Uh, well, now you only get, a, you know, an apple and a half for the same price. And that's really the problem. And those that are living paycheck to paycheck are those who are retired and on sort of a fixed budget. That's where it's affecting people the most. And I don't think that we've seen the last of interest rates increasing until we see inflation move lower. And even the last read in the U.S. was uh, around 8% or higher. And that is an issue. That's the highest we've seen in four decades. And so that's why you're seeing central banks around the world, uh, especially here in North America, going to continue aggressively increasing rates so that that inflation number comes down. They need to combat inflation. And that's what we're seeing. And we'll talk a little bit about how that affects retirees. Well, indeed. So we have rising interest rates. And you mentioned the increase in the price of gas. It's gone right through the ceiling. The increase in terms of groceries and the staples that people need to buy. And all of this, a lot of it at least, is linked back to interest rates. So explain how the interest rate increases are affecting you and me and our listeners at home. Canadian households will definitely feel the impact of rising rates in, in many ways. Real estate and loans, more expensive to borrow. Many people are on variable rate mortgages or they have lines of credits, which will move with interest rates. And so things are going to become more expensive now. And so what does that lead to? Well, the idea is, is that people are going to take on less debt. They may want to pay off some forms of debt more aggressively now. There's many conversations I've had where people go, should I pay off my mortgage? Should I pay off my line of credit? The answer for the last two years was no, because you're making more in the markets than you are with the interest rate that you're paying on some of that debt. But as that teeter-totter kind of fluctuates now, right? Interest rates are going up now. It might make sense to pay off some of that debt in coming months or the next year, especially if you start seeing lines of credits or mortgages move up to that 4 or 5% possibly in the next year. And if we see uh, lines of credits moving up even more, over 5%, then it definitely may make sense to pay some of that off instead of holding on to it. So as interest rates increase, remember, affordability decreases for real estate buyers. And that can lead to lower demand for housing. And it can also lead to lower costs or prices, I should say, in terms of homes. And I think in Vancouver, many would welcome that. But from my point of view, too, and again, we all want children and grandchildren to break into the market. But the other issue that you could see possibly if we have too big of a correction in the housing market is many retirees are planning to use their home as part of the retirement plan. And if you don't think about selling in the near term, in my opinion, you could possibly miss the boat in a year from now 
as rates move higher, the price of homes could go down and that opportunity may not be what, what it once was. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we hear so, so much about the price of housing and how people can't get into the market. We don't hear much about what you've just mentioned, is that people who are planning to use the home that they own for part of their retirement are also affected by this. And even what I've seen a lot is when retirees do sell or downsize their home, a lot of time they actually take some of those funds and gift it to their adult children to further buy real estate as well. So I think that there's a lot of different aspects to the housing market, especially here in Vancouver. And uh, we'll be watching that closely and in Canada as well. And and even in the U.S., I mean, we saw that I, mortgage uh, applications were down somewhat 40 percent on the last read. And so that's a pretty big deal. And this week you saw housing starts increase in the U.S. So we're getting a little bit, bit of a kind of mixed data, I would say right now, but it's something definitely we have to keep an eye on. And even there's talk in the States about increasing rates three quarters of a point at the next meeting, which would be like unheard of. So again, they are aggressive on this. And so us as investors need to be on top of that. All right. Well, there are several other areas where people are going to feel the impact of higher interest rates. Um, Employment is another area. Higher interest rates will lead to lower demand for goods and services. And in turn, there could be lower demand for labor. So generally, higher interest rates lead to higher unemployment rates. But again, at this point, I think we're going to see some months or even a year before we see employment really being affected because right now we have such labor shortages. Once we get through that, then maybe. And often, remember, that when the Fed or the Central Bank, Bank of Canada, increase rates too far too fast, it could eventually tip the economy over into a recession. And that is what people are worried about. And I don't think it's a worry today or even in a year from now, but there are some that are calling for a recession two to three years out. When you have economists calling for recessions two to three years out, it's like trying to figure out the weather in Vancouver next month. That's what being a proactive and active portfolio manager, in my opinion, is best because I'm not trying to call what's going to happen in two, three years from now. I'll act as we see the data coming in. And when we start getting some of those signals, then we'll make changes to the portfolios and take advantage of the opportunities that come with that. But the idea is that, yes, rates are going to move higher. We need to be on top of it and how that affects you personally as a consumer or as a real estate buyer or someone that's investing in GICs, what is the end result for you? And how do you have to make changes for yourself based on what's happening right now? What about um, interest rates in terms of stocks and bonds? That's a real important one. So higher interest rates kind of have a negative impact on the economy eventually, as I was saying. But at this point, rates are going up. The economy is actually quite strong. It's very resilient in light of higher oil prices right now. And so that's important to make note of that usually the stock market is rising as interest rates are rising until it gets to a certain point where it squeezes the economy like a bottleneck. And then eventually things really do start to slow down and you have to be maybe raising some cash at that time, maybe investing in bonds, uh, which is not what I'm going to be talking about today. But usually the stock market tends to do well when rates are moving higher. But you have to be in the right sectors of the stock market too. So especially during inflationary times. So agriculture, I've talked about energy materials, including copper, things like that. Even the portfolios, we made a lot of additions over the past few weeks into staples. So when you think of the Walmarts and the Procter and Gambles and things like that, they tend to do well initially when rates are going up because everyone's worried a recession is around the corner. 
we know it's not, but it was a way to really invest in some of those areas that are doing well, but markets are a bit uncertain. Some other names we added because people are going to be looking for deals. You think of Dollarama, Ross Stores is another one in the US, right? People do need to go back to the office. The pandemic is, although in the, another wave, people are, are going back to work. And are they going to be going to one of the finer clothing stores? Or are you going to go to Ross stores, which is kind of like winners? So really being mindful of the changes that are happening in the economy right now has allowed our portfolios to be flat to actually turning positive right now. And so that's really important. Um, bonds. Bonds at an increasing rate environment is a very tough go. It depends on what part of the bond sector that you're in, in terms of whether it's long-term government bonds, whether it's corporate bonds, and where are they in terms of maturity or what we call duration. Shorter-term bonds are not as affected by increasing rates, uh, but longer-term bonds can be extremely affected. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of disappointed investors out there who are very heavily invested in bonds who thought that they were going to be uh, more conservative, let's say, and especially those who walk into a bank branch and say, hi, I'm Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We're retiring. We don't want to lose money. We want to be conservative. What's going to happen is the advice you get from some of the advisors, I would say, just in a bank branch level is not going to be the advice that you wanted. And I think a lot of people are now noticing that they have lost money and are losing a heck of a lot more money this year even. So they lost money in a good year, like last year, and now they're losing way more money this year in kind of a flat year or down year. And especially bonds are supposed to be considered kind of safe haven investments. And again, that is not because of the stock market. That's because of interest rates. And you have to just make sure that uh, you or your financial advisors on top of the types of investments, the types of exposure you have to the bond market right now. The market has been very volatile lately. So what do people generally hold in their portfolios to offset the volatility? Well, that's the thing. Many people have always believed they have to have a certain percentage in bonds and that's going to absorb the shocks. And it's true. Like if the Russia-Ukraine situation turned into World War III, the stock market would come down and, and the bond market wouldn't come down as much. So it does insulate you somewhat through those types of events. But again, going forward, looking at where we are right now in terms of interest rates is what you need to be careful of because as interest rates go up, the price of bonds go down and the longer term bonds are more affected than short term bonds, as I said. And that's where you're getting the returns, the negative returns that you're seeing in the bond market right now because rates have moved up quickly. And that is what investors have been looking at. And therefore, bond prices have been moving lower. And that's a worry that we're facing right now. So, you know, investing in bonds or bond funds, I should say even more, is not a guaranteed return. And many funds have performed poorly in 2021. So last year, you know, we've got a few here that were down in 2021. So you've got like a TD Canadian bond fund here down almost 3% last year. Year to date, it's down 9.5%. Okay, so this is, again, a bond fund. You've got a RBC high-yield bond fund that, again, in 2021 was flat, so just up 0.1%. And year-to-date now, it's down 9.5%. So now people are down 10 to 15% on their bond funds from January of last year to now, is what that's telling me. And the list goes on and on. So, you know, how do we invest in some of those bond areas with not having these types of negative returns is that we're in very active bond managers. We reduced our allocation to bonds months ago, even for retirees, right? We don't have anybody that's got 50% 
in bonds or even 40% in bonds. This is a unique discussion we have with our clients and we were having them already at least a year ago, John. April 2021 is when we already started seeing signs of inflation and new interest rates would follow at some point. And so it was a necessity. It was vital to reduce the bond allocation. Otherwise, people were going to have very disappointing numbers on their portfolio had you kept so much in bonds over the past 12 months. Okay. So are there bond funds that are worth holding on to, or should you get rid of all of them? Not all bond funds are created equal, and some are putting their investors at more risk than they may realize. So you need to watch out when you're reviewing some of your bond holdings, finding out are they mostly invested in government bonds and what length of maturity or duration, as I was saying, is something important to look out for. Do they have a passive investment strategy? I think that's the most important because we use a bond fund, its name is Canso, and they've been very good at managing interest rate risk uh, in all sorts of years over the past, uh, I would say, five to 10 years. They've done a great job and they're much more active. They're making changes. But many of these mutual funds, especially these bad bank bond funds, are not active whatsoever and they're not making changes. And so they're so large and they've really had to get into a lot of those government bonds, those long-term new issues in order to be able to invest the fund because they have so much money to invest that they aren't able to be flexible and be nimble and get in and out of certain areas of the bond market, resulting in terrible returns, especially year to date right now. And they have a set it and forget it kind of strategy, which, you know, when they're only looking at it every six months or even a, a year, the market could have passed them by months and months and months ago. So it's definitely something to consider. What about fees and the high cost of bond funds? Sometimes it makes more sense to pay an active bond manager because they're going to get you better rates than you going and buying a Canadian bond yourself. And so that's why I say paying the right bond manager is fine. Paying the wrong bond manager is not a good idea. And so again, when you're paying these bond managers to do nothing, everything is too expensive then, John, right? Yeah. And so that's the problem I see in not just the mutual fund industry as a whole, but in the bond side of things, especially at the banks, right? Like if you're paying one and a half or 2% for a bond fund where they're not making any changes. And remember bond funds, kind of the return you want to have over a long period of time is maybe somewhere between that five and 7% annually, like over 10 years. Bond funds are not stock funds. So they're not supposed to do stock market returns. So again, you expect lower returns, but still you want to make sure that you're with that active manager because some of these bond funds over 10 years are now showing close to zero return, maybe one or 2% annualized return. Well, if you look at that, you could have been in a GIC the whole time too and not paid anybody. So you have to look at what's out there, what you're in, or get someone to analyze it if you can, because most people don't really understand the bond market, John. It, it is very complex. And a lot of people just hear the word bond and believe safe. And uh, I've been, you know, screaming from the mountaintops the last 12 months saying they are not 100% safe. And you need to make sure that you're with the right managers or financial advisors who understand the bond market, who have made changes for their clients, because this interest rate increase environment that we're in is not over at this time. So again, we need to be prepared and we need to be proactive. What about bank-owned mutual funds? Is it kind of the same thinking as 
bank-owned bond funds? Yes, same thing. That's exactly what I'm talking about, is that when you walk into a bank branch, you're able to choose from their funds kind of thing. You go into Royal Bank, and they're going to show you their funds, and either you choose or they choose, someone does, and they're going to show you usually the top-performing funds Yeah, that you should get into them. And usually it's too late when they show you that, because no fund is number one two years in a row. But the bond side of things is, again, what worries me the most, because I think there's unsuspecting investors who just don't follow the markets and wouldn't have any idea about interest rates and bonds and are told that bonds are safe and you should be in this. And the other part is they may say be in bonds and GICs. And you go, okay, well, GICs are now paying 2% instead of 1%. Time to get excited. But the problem with that is, is that you're losing to inflation, remember. So you've yeah. got 6% inflation, now you're getting 2% with a GIC. So I think the real conversation needs to be around market volatility, like stock market volatility, interest rates and bonds, and active management. Because I think some investors and retirees may be fearful of the stock market and the uncertainty around the world right now. I, I do get have that conversation. And there's a lot going on for sure. And it can change on a dime. But if you are with a strategy or a portfolio manager or a team that believes in making changes when changes need to be made, then you don't worry as much. And therefore, you don't feel the need to have to hide in GICs, for example, in an inflationary environment. You know, if I feel that things are getting worse in Russia, Ukraine, I'm going to raise cash just like that. Or I'll get people reinvested just as we did close to the lows and make changes to the types of sectors and companies that we're invested in. So that is the issue with a lot of the bank owned mutual funds in general. Not a lot of changes are being made, in my opinion. And the returns kind of go up and down with the market almost exactly depending on what index you're looking at. So you end up kind of paying managers of some of these funds for nothing and you're not coming out ahead. So again, not a good long-term investment strategy. We've been doing this a long time together over the years, both on the radio and uh, and on the podcast and still on the radio. And it's always interested me how when you talk about being nimble, there are sectors that you've talked about in the past that you'd say, no, 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 we're not going to go anywhere near that right now. It's not the right time. The conditions are not right. Then conditions change because markets go up and down, inflation increases, interest rates go up. And suddenly those areas where you might have been skeptical, suddenly they open up and they look reasonable now or they look inviting because the situation has changed. The landscape has changed. Uh, We're not in a low interest rate environment as much anymore. And we've got inflation as a problem. So It really is a matter of understanding where all those sectors are in terms of what's going on in real life and in real time. Oh, definitely. And not one sector stays in favor forever. And so you go from banks and you look at materials and you look at energy and consumer discretionary or technology. So every period has sectors that will outperform and those that will underperform. And what we focus on is risk management a lot of the time. So we don't want those underperforming sectors to have any over-concentration in our portfolios. For example, year to date, what's been hit the hardest is technology and consumer discretionary, especially high valuation ones or companies, I should say. And and so we've really avoided a lot of that. Like the technology we have is like Microsoft and Google. We're not in some of these high flyers Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And that's helped, but really making those real 
changes and many changes if you look over the past six weeks, what we've done to the portfolios since the war has started, but also interest rates. That was a big factor in making a lot of these decisions as well, that we went further into some of those areas that are doing well that I was talking about materials and agriculture and staples and reducing consumer discretionary was another move that we made. Because again, are people going to be filling up their gas tank or buying food or are they going to be buying a new pair of fancy pants? And so this is <laughs> this is just straightforward thinking, right? Yeah. And you know, people are going to be looking for deals. Inflation, as the Fed said, it was not is not going away anytime soon. They hope it's reduced by later this year, but not to the level that we're used to. So this is going to be an ongoing battle for uh, us as consumers, retirees, especially, I think, and uh, as well as us as portfolio managers. So again, staying on top of the news, making changes, the world changes, and you have to change with it, I often say, and we put our money where our mouth is, and that's exactly what we've done. And that's why our portfolios are moving positive, even when the stock market, U.S. markets are down 6 to 13% right now. Well, as we know, economies go through cycles, and while something like a global pandemic can come and surprise us or uh, an unexpected war, it is important that we learn from history and remember to stay optimistic and maybe lay off those fancy pants for now. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, and I think just having that experience over the past 20 years has really given myself and my team the ability to really make big decisions during times like this. This is a real change in the climate for the economy in terms of interest rates. And so those conversations that we have with clients at portfolio reviews, but we're already making those necessary changes far before we have chatted with them because we're responsible. I'm responsible for making those day-to-day -day decisions for clients and I can act very quickly for them. And that's what we've done. And recognizing the changing environment is so vital to having consistent long-term stable returns, John. Covered a lot. Very, very good information contained in this Ready, Set, Retire as always. All right, before we go, a quote. I just saw this one from Warren Buffett and I thought it was good. Because again, when you're dealing with market uncertainty and volatility, it's important to kind of check yourself as an investor as well. And the most important quality for an investor is temperament, not intellect. And that came from Warren Buffett, which I thought was good. What he's in fact saying is, again, try not to worry about every little piece of news that you see. Don't let it affect your psyche and your mood and so on. And just make sure you have good people managing your money. And that's what's going to do best for you over the long term. That's why I leave it up to you. Exactly. And I appreciate that, John. One of the best clients I've got. <laughs> Listen, always a pleasure. Always a lot of fun. I will catch up with you in a couple of weeks and we'll do it again. Thanks, Sean. Look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks. That's all for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management. 604-695-LORI. 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.